Well, hey, go ahead and, and have a seat this morning. It is wonderful uh, to see you guys. And, um, and I guess, yeah, we have to say hi now to, to all the people who are watching via the live feed. We've had a lot of people who've been saying that they're, they're doing that, so we want to say hi, and I promise um, that I won't do any solos this week. Uh, last week, evidently, I forgot to turn my mic off, and so everybody heard me singing over Devin, which, uh-uh, right? So... Those are the people who are thought, like, I, I don't know about those guys over there, but, um, <laughs> but God, God is good. It, it was a great demonstration of just joyful noise, right? So, um, but yeah, God, God, is, God is always good. We're, we're in our fifth week of a series that we've been calling Kingdom Come, because when Jesus taught us to pray, and he used these words that many people, even people who don't go to church often know, he used these words that he says, and you can say this with me, our Father in heaven, are, 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 you, are you with me? Okay, all right, the coffee room's over there if you need it, right? So, all right, let's, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if Jesus told us that this could happen, then we believe that it can. When, when Jesus said, hey, pray this, pray that God's kingdom would come, we actually believe that God's kingdom can come in the here and now. That, that, that God's kingdom is a place where, where it can break into our world, in, into a broken, divided, crazy world. Where sickness, I mean, haven't we, haven't we just heard enough this week about the sickness and disease, the coronaviruses of the world, right? And, and, and there's one thing that can still our hearts in the midst of a world that seems to panic, and that's Christ alone. But, but into this world where oftentimes hatred and greed and everything else start to gain, seem like they gain the upper hand, the, the kingdom of God can come and totally flip the script. He, he comes and he changes everything. And we believe that we don't have to wait until we get to heaven to start experiencing the blessings of the kingdom of God. That, that we can experience the blessings of God's kingdom in the here and now, and then we can invite other people into that as well. I mean, his kingdom of love, grace, and peace can restore fractured relationships, bring unity where there's division. Couldn't we use some unity in our country today? I mean, where, where he can bring equality where there's been injustice. God's kingdom is a place where, where the abandoned of the world feel like they belong and where the marginalized people can be embraced, where, where the weak are made strong and where the sick find healing and, and where the people who just have this dead ache inside, and some of you know what that feels like, where we have this dead ache inside, God can bring life that's abundant, real life. And folks, here's the great news. We get to offer this to the rest of the world that's desperately longing for it. And some people just don't know where to find it. We started a few weeks ago with the truth that the, the K in the word kingdom stood for a king. But not just any king. It was a king, the king of the universe, who stepped off the throne of heaven, came to earth, and took our place on a, on a cross and gave his life so that we could find forgiveness and freedom and a relationship with God. And, and then we saw that the I in kingdom, it stood for the inclusive nature of God's kingdom. That in, in a world where we get all kinds of signals, where there's all these signs that say, you don't belong here, or hey, you don't measure up, that in God's kingdom, everybody's invited. 
and, and, and not, just to, not just to do whatever they want, but, but the reality is, is that our failures, our sinfulness doesn't disqualify us. In God's kingdom, everyone is welcome, and there's an invitation with your name on it. And you can be included in God's kingdom if you will put your trust in Jesus. Then last week, we talked about the N in kingdom. And do you remember what the N stood for? Not to us, right? Or, or not about us. That it's not about us. That in the kingdom, in the world, you know, we think it's all about us. That you can be all that you can be, right? But the reality is, is we're supposed to make more of Jesus because it's all about him, and we realize that, that God is, when we realize that who God is and all that he has done for us, we worship him with every fiber of our being. And last week we talked about how we, we raise our hands, we move our feet, we bend our knees, our, and with hearts that are absolutely exploding with gratitude, we come to God and we shout, hallelujah. hallelujah. Okay, I thought, I thought I might get some response, you know. Um, Go back and watch the podcast. No, I just, you know, hallelujah, right? Hallelujah. Yeah. And, and, and we worship him because it's not about us. To him is the glory. And, and today, we're, we're going to take a look at the G, the G in the word kingdom. And, and in our world today, the G, it might stand for greed, um, where there's always a chasing after more in, or, in order to bring fulfillment and happiness in our lives. So many people are left chasing and chasing where we stockpile resources to build our own security. But in the upside down and backwards kingdom of God, the opposite is true. In God's kingdom, the G doesn't stand for greed. The G stands for generosity. And, and generosity is one of these things that I, I continue to believe in our fallen world. It's not something that, it's not intuitive to us. It's not something that just comes natural. It's something that God gives to us. You, you see, when we don't trust God, when we don't trust him to provide for us, we start to look around and we start to compare what we have with, with what everybody else around us has. And, and when we do that, we start to feel cheated, don't we? I mean, when you start to look around, and, and I mean, even if you've got something that's nice, you, 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 you know, you're, you're looking around the neighborhood and you're like, oh, well, I'd, I'd like some of that. I'd be happier, happier if my house looked like that or if my house was bigger, if I had that car, if I had that thing. I mean, we're always comparing and comparison kills generosity because comparison drives us to want more because when we start to compare, when we don't trust God, we, we start to, to look at things and say, I don't have enough. And, and when I think that I don't have enough, then I start to believe in some crazy way that I, I'm not enough. I mean, I don't know if you've, ever, if you've ever felt that before. Like, you know, like, hey, it, it, what I have isn't enough, and if what I have isn't enough, then, then maybe, just, maybe just the reality is, is I'm not enough. And then we, we start to wonder, how, how can I become enough? But, but the great news is, is that in the kingdom of God, instead of a quest for more, the, instead of not trusting God, when we put our trust in him, that, that God will break through and God will tell you, you are enough. And, and, and when we start to believe what God says and we start to trust him, we will understand that God gives us enough. And, and so 
People try to fill the voids of our life with so many different things, with possessions, with money, with drugs, with sex, with all kinds of things. But the only thing that can ever truly satisfy us, the only thing that can ever fill the hole in our heart and be to the place of contentment that we're longing for is to put Christ at the center of our lives. In God's incredible kingdom, you have this incredible intrinsic value. And God says, you are enough. We don't, we don't measure our self-worth by our net worth. In fact, the richest person in the kingdom of God is the person who gives the most, the person who's the most generous. So this morning, um, I, what I want to do is I want to kind of take a look at, at three kingdom principles. I want to actually look at three myths about generosity, um, and then three kingdom principles that will help us get there. Because I, I think, how many of you would like to be generous? Does that sound good? Yeah, I, I think all of us would be like, yeah, I would love to be a generous person. I mean, if there's something that I could be known for, I think I'd much rather be known for being a generous person than, than, than most other things, right? So, so now, here's the reality is listen, listen to this kingdom principle. In 2 Corinthians 9-11, it says this. It says, you will be made, everybody say it. How many of you would like to be rich? Right? It says, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be what? On every occasion and through your generosity, um, through, I'm sorry, through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, how many of you know that you're rich? Anybody know that you're rich? A, a, a little bit less hands there went up, right? The reality is we know that we are. I mean, living where we live and having what we have, even though we don't feel like it, we are incredibly rich. We, just living here in the Canal Valley, we're in the, we're in the top half percent of, of wealthy people in the entire world. Now, I know you're kind of going like, well, wait a minute, you, you haven't seen my spreadsheet, right? <laughs> The fact that you have one, okay, the fact that you even have a, you know, like bills to pay and budgets to worry about, that, that tells us something about, we have these incredible first world problems, right? I mean, some of you had problems this week, like, oh man, the brakes on my car, right? I had to pay to get the brakes on my car fixed, man, and that's a problem. No, no, that's a first world problem, you know why? Because you have a car that has brakes, Right? I mean, I, I, there's all kinds of places around the world where nobody even has a car. And there's places where I've been with missionaries, and I'm thinking, would you please spend some money on your brakes, right? But, they, 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 you know, people don't have what we have. And the reality is, is that we are truly rich, and we need to, I think in one sense, we, we need to embrace that. But from a kingdom perspective, we need to embrace our richness. We need to embrace our wealth. You know, for too long, you know, in the church, oftentimes we, we, we're made to feel guilty or whatever about that. No, let's, let's just realize that God has blessed. And let's, let's embrace that and say, now God, in your kingdom, rather than, rather than to look at this and, and hold on to it, how, how can we live lives of generosity? So this morning, the, the first myth is this. The, the first myth is that it's all mine. Okay, that, that's the first myth that will break down generosity. It's all mine. I mean, nobody has to teach a little child um, to, to say mine, right? It, it's kind of one of those words that pops up, right, just after no, 
right? So if any of you work with little kids, I mean, I'm having so much fun watching our grandkids, right? And, and now they bypass no, right? Because they will tell you what they don't want. And, um, and then they, and they've moved on to mine. And, and so we've got two little boy grandsons, and when one wants a toy, right, and the other has it, um, you know, uh, I, now, every once in a while they surprise us, right? But there's all kinds of times where they're like, you know, they walk over and they take the toy, and if somebody takes the toy away from them, they grab it back, and then the fight ensues, and it's all about mine, right? It's mine. And we easily, from an early age, nobody has to teach you that. That is instinctive. That, that you want to get for yourself, right? But, but that's a problem. In fact, um, the Apostle Paul, he was teaching his young protege, a young pastor named Timothy, um, how, how to be a good uh, pastor. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 to 19, he, he gives Timothy these instructions that I think are really, really great for us today because he starts out and he says, command those who are rich in this present world, that's us, right, not to be, what's the word? That whole idea of being arrogant means that I think it's mine. I think I did. I mean, after all, I mean, after all, I, I worked for it. It's, my, you know, my name was on the paycheck, right? And so we think it's all mine. But, but then he goes on, he says, and nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. If there was ever a week to understand that wealth is very uncertain, it would have been this last week, right? And, and for those of you who, who even glimpsed at the news or saw the stock market this week, you know how absolutely volatile all of this is, right? And, and there are some of you who are just like, ah, it'll rebound. There's some of you, you know, who are like, buy now. There's some of you who are like, I don't even know what the stock market's all about, and God bless you. Um, but the reality is this, is that, we, that wealth is uncertain. And then he goes on, he says, but to put their hope in God. Now listen to this, he says, who richly, okay, not just kind of a little bit, but richly provides us with, what's the word? Everything. Everything. For our What? Right, for our enjoyment. God wants you to enjoy the life that he has blessed you with. But he says this, he says everything for our enjoyment, and then he says to command them. So this is where as a pastor, my role is to just say, hey, if we're the rich people, it says command those who are rich, right? And then he says command them. So here's our command from the Lord. These are from, these are, this is from God's word. He says command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Why does he have to command us to do this? It doesn't come natural, okay? It only comes when a heart has been completely given over to the kingdom and, the God, and God's purposes. When, when God comes in our lives, he takes that, that greed thing and he flips it on his head and he flips that script till now we can become, become generous people and be, we're generous and we're willing to share. And then he says, in this way, you will lay up treasure for, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they can take hold of life that is truly life. We're running around trying to take hold of life by all the stuff that we have and all the possessions and all these things that we're trying to get for ourselves. But God is saying, no, the way to take hold of the life that is real life, that is true life, that is this abundant life, is to be generous. And isn't that the crazy nature of the backwards kingdom of God? 
That, that it, it, seems, it seems to us in the world that, hey, if, if I want to be happy, I, I, need to, I, I need to take hold of it and say, this is mine. But in God's kingdom, the truth is it's not mine. The truth of the kingdom is this. It's all God's. Okay? It's not mine in the first place. When we understand that, it helps us with generosity. In Psalms chapter 24, verse 1, it says this. The earth is the Lord's, and what was that? Everything in it. The world and all who live it. So here's the thing. Not only is all the stuff in the world his, you are his too. He says, all who live in it. If you are alive in the world today, it says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, everyone who lives. Okay, it says the, it, it belongs to the Lord. He's in charge. It's all his. He has the power over everything. It all belongs to him. Uh, King David, who wrote that psalm, um, realized this in a powerful way. A couple weeks ago, we talked about how King David wanted to build this great temple for the Lord. And, and the Lord said to David, he says, no, nah, you, you aren't the right guy. You know, you, you're, you're just this warrior king. You've shed too much blood. You know, there needs to be some peace. And your son Solomon's going to do it. But David was so excited he was so pumped about the idea of building a place where God could be worshipped, that he, and he, he knew he wasn't going to be, be able to build it, but he said, you know what I can do? He says, I can collect all the supplies that my son Solomon will eventually need to build this temple. And so his great joy wasn't to build a temple, his great joy was to get all the people to work together to give all the supplies that they needed to build the temple. And what's amazing is, so King David goes out and he says, okay, you know, here, here's a list of all the things that we're going to need, that, that Solomon's going to need to build the temple one day. And so he puts it out there to the people. The people just started giving like crazy. In fact, they, they, at one point they had to tell the people, whoa, 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 stop giving because we don't know what to do with all of this. And when you stop and think about what they gave, it's actually incredible. Um, you can go in um, 1 Chronicles chapter 29. For those of you who are like math geeks, okay, um, go home and you can start adding all this up. Because uh, like I, I took, for instance, just the gold, okay, because they overlaid everything in the temple with gold, right? And, and so it, it says that they gave 5,000 talents of gold. Now, for you, that you know, five, you're like five thousand. Okay, what's a talent, right? Well, a talent happens to be a lot. In fact, the five thousand talents adds up to one hundred and ninety tons of gold. Okay, one hundred and ninety tons. So, if you if you take yesterday, okay, I did this. I, I, I double checked this yesterday. If you took yesterday's price of gold, right, and it's one hundred ninety tons then the, just the gold they donated for the building of the temple would have been, in today's value, would be worth $9,655,040,000 in gold that the people donated. And they just said, yeah, it's all for the Lord, right? I mean, they just gave like crazy. And in 1 Chronicles 29, 14, David says this. He says, everything comes from you. He's talking to the Lord. He says, everything comes from you, and we have given only what comes from your hand. He says, it's all yours anyways, God. It's all yours. Everything we have, it's come from you anyways. So as we give, we're just giving you back what's already yours. 
I, I mean, that's incredible. I, I had this fun experience. I, I was remembering we, uh, our daughter Shelby, who's getting ready to have, have a baby any, any time now, it seems like. We are going back and looking at Christmas uh, our, uh, baby pictures and stuff. We're flipping through the photo albums and looking at her when she was a baby and everything. And then there was this one scene at Christmas time where I was, remember, I was holding this little gift. And I remember going shopping with one of our daughters. And right in the middle of shopping, um, one, of, one of our daughters looks up at me and she says, Daddy, can I, can I have some money? And I said, well, what are, what are you going to do with the money? And she says, I want to buy you a Christmas present. <laughs> right? Who says no to that? <laughs> right? Like, yeah, here's the credit card, baby. You, you, go wild, right? <laughs> you, you have a blast, right? No. It's just like, and, and so, but, but all I was thinking about was this, is like, you know what? She was so excited to give, but, but she just said, hey, Dad, I, I, know, that you, I know it all comes from you anyways, right? So, I, but, but I just want to give. And, and I think we, if we could have that same attitude like children to just say, hey, it's all, it all comes from the Father anyways, so let's just give it. Let's just be generous to him and to the work of his kingdom. And, and so when, when we realize that everything that, that we have, everything belongs to God and everything is for him, it helps us break the grip that greed has in our lives. And so the question is this. One of the things, uh, we, we used to do a bunch of different financial plans, um, uh, things here at church just to help people because finances get chaotic and, and it causes stress in our lives and our marriages and everything else. And... Um, and so we've had several, uh, now we, we have Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, which we've never done. I encourage you to jump into that because it, it's, it's great. And we used to do some other ones. I remember one where it actually had a copy um, of this thing. And at the bottom it said deed. And you would go home and you would list all the stuff you owned, right? And then you bring that back and then you would sign the deed over to God, Right? And just physically say, I'm signing everything I have. Remember in week one of the kingdom, I said, hey, my kingdom, my domain, is all, it's my truck, right? I was like, nope, i got to put that on the list. That, it's not mine. That belongs to the Lord. Everything that I have, all, that I, all that's around me, okay, it's just mine to manage for God's kingdom. Um, and so we need to deed everything over to the Lord and realize it comes from him. And, and then it's fun because it's just like, you know, it's just like, hey, we can just give away what God's blessed us with and say, hey, this is where God wants to use it. Let's, let's make that happen. Uh, the second myth is this, um, more will make me happy, right? More will make me happy. How many of you have ever gotten to, to that point? Yeah, more will make me happy. See, you're not sure if you want to participate, but come on, we've all, we've all been there. Right, more will make me happy. I, I've I've said this time and time again. Years ago, we quit taking the Sunday paper because I would go home from church every Sunday, and Brenda would clip the coupons. But then I would get all the ads, and somehow every Sunday, you know what? My, my 26-inch TV—they used to make them that small. Okay. Um, would just look too small because we get the ads from Best Buy and all these other places, and now it's like. Wait a minute, like that's, I can't even see anything on 26 inches, man. I, you know, and then we bumped up to the 36 and then the 40 inch and then, you know, and it just keeps, right? Because you look and you're just like, well, mine's not good enough, right? And, and so the, the realities are this, that we want to look at the things we have and just say, hey, th th these things are Lord and more won't make me happy. See, the myth of more is what enables us to stand in front of a closet full of clothes and go, I have nothing to... Right? I mean, I mean that, that happens for so many of us. Now, 
I was doing a little research on this the last couple weeks. Um, the poverty line in, in the United States of America is, is $25,000 a year, right? $25,000 for, for a family of four people, right? And you're thinking, where do those people live, right? But that's, it's, that's the poverty level in the United States. But when, when, when researchers asked those people who were at that place what it would take to make them feel like they had enough, to make them happy, right? You know what they said? 50,000. That was the average response, 50,000. I'm thinking, again, like, where? Like, where, where, like where, where's that possible, right? And, and then when they asked the people who made 50,000, like, what would it take to, to, to make you happy? They, they said 100,000. But then something really strange happened when they asked the people who made $100,000 a year um, what, what was enough. They, they said 250000 So the percentage bumped up. When they asked the people who made 250000 what it would take, they all said a million. And when they asked the people who made over a million dollars a year, their response was, you'll never get there. They all knew. They all knew that you get caught in this thing where rich is a moving target, where, where happiness is a moving target. And, and, and the more we have, the more we seem to want. I mean, when we buy into the myth that more will make us happy, um, and then we couple that with our right, right, in, in the United States, with our right for the pursuit of happiness, we will become impulsive spenders. Because we all of a sudden realize, hey, I'm supposed to make myself happy. That's the goal here. And if the goal here is to make myself happy, then I just need more. And, and then all of a sudden, I start to get more. I mean, and then, I mean, it is so easy today to get more, isn't it? All, I mean, Amazon one-click is from the devil. <laughs> right? I mean, I know that temptation because it's like, there, and it's just like, oh, with one click, it can be to my house tomorrow. <laughs> right? And it's like, boom, it's just easy because more, more will meet my needs. More will make me happy. I mean, believing happiness is just one more purchase away is a total myth. And we, we get tempted um, to be tempted to, uh, to get it now and pay for it later. That's why in our, in our country today, we collectively have $13.8 trillion of consumer debt. The average household in America okay, carries $8,000 in credit card debt. That's the average some of you are like, wish you could get to eight, right? Some of you are like, what are people doing, right? I mean, but where's the happiness? Where's the happiness from all that? You see, the Bible tells us that that doesn't work. In Proverbs 22, 7, it says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. So all the things that we thought would bring us happiness all of a sudden have enslaved us. And we become a slave to all of the, the bills and the credit card statements and everything else. But that is not the life that God wants for us. God wants happiness and peace for us. And it's not found in, in one more thing. So, so while, the, while the myth is more will make me happy, the kingdom truth is that more, that it is more blessed to give. Right? That if you want more, then we need to learn to give. The kingdom truth that really came from Jesus' own words was he says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus says this. He says, watch out 
And then he kind of doubles it up and he says, not only watch out, he says, be on your guard, right? You thought, well, I'm already watching out, but he says, now be on guard against all kind of greed. He says, because life does not consist of the abundance of your possessions, and then he, he goes on and, and he tells a story about a guy who, you know, had this great harvest. And you're thinking, oh, the harvest comes from the Lord, right? That that's where the harvest comes from. And, but the guy says, oh, my barns aren't big enough, so what am I going to do? I'll tear down my barns. I'm going to build bigger barns. And then I'm going to build multiple barns. And then I'm going to have a used storage place. And then I'm going to have all this other stuff. And I'm just going to pack it all away, right? And then God comes back on the scene and he says, hey, tonight your soul's required of you. Right? And we know how that story ends. He says, hey, he says, what does it profit a person to have the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Now, the reality of this is this. The only way to guard against greed, a greedy heart, is generosity. Generosity breaks the hold that greed has in our lives. If you struggle with this idea that I just need a little more, or man, if you then the reality is, is the one thing that will help break that is, this, is generosity. And, and you get that from being a part of God's kingdom. But, but it's, not, it's not intuitive. Um, if you find yourself struggling to just need more, then make a plan to give. See, I, now, I love, I love the generosity of our church here. Our church family is, has been incredibly, incredibly generous. And there are people here in our leadership team that can tell you time and time again when we've stepped out and when we've made great contributions, when we've given beyond what we thought we were able, that God always comes back and blesses us in crazy, amazing ways. I mean, uh, one of the things I love is our, our church, um, we, we finance our mission partners uh, at, at 13% of all of our offerings. So all of the offerings that, that we receive, um, they go to support uh, gospel-centered missions globally and locally. So, and we've been moving that percentage up about a half percent like every year, Right? I mean, we're just trying to, like, let's keep up in that game. Let's keep up in that game. The great news is, as the budget grows and as we give more, then that percentage just exponentially grows because we're receiving more. And then as we receive more and it's a greater percentage, then we just keep giving more. And it's amazing to see what God does when we do that. That God is so faithful. When we, when we make a plan for generosity, God always blesses in amazing ways. And we can put our trust in him. In fact, my, my, my whole thought now is like, man, if, 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 we're ever, if, if there's ever a financial issue, it's like, well, let's figure out how to give, right? Because that's, that's God's plan. I mean, I love the fact, that, I mean, our church has been involved in building orphanages and churches and homes in Mexico, okay? And, and, and I, I don't, don't care what uh, side of the wall debate you're on, we can all agree that there are desperately needy people just across our border, and we have this opportunity. In fact, God has uniquely positioned us, okay? I mean, we're, we're only like three, four hours from the border, and we have resources to use. And so we've gone down there for year after year after year. We built over 50 homes down in Mexico. We built churches and orphanages and all kinds of things. And we've watched that bless the lives of people and watched that blessing bring more and more people to Christ. 
And so when we do that, that's incredible. And so Devin already told you about like our fiesta lunch today. So th- I mean, and we did not plan this, um, but, but the reality is, is today as you leave, you have an opportunity to, to participate in that. Even if, you, even if you can't go to Mexico, you have an oppor- opportunity to be generous and help that happen. And all you gotta do is go eat tacos, right? I mean, it, that's a kingdom thing if I've ever heard one, right? You get tacos, people get blessed, right? I mean, that, that's, a, that's, a wonder, that's wonderful news. Isn't that good news, right? That's good news. So, and, and we've got great people down there who really know what they're doing, who are making tacos um, and, and, and stuff this morning. And you gotta try these beans that, that, that um, uh, Pastor Ignacio, man, is making down there. That's like amazing. So, but, but and, and so go down, grab some lunch, uh, and maybe, and look at the information, maybe consider, like, maybe for the first time, God might start nudging you a little bit to, to go to Mexico, right? If you're feeling that nudge, um, well, I mean, I know I'm a little biased, but give in, right? Don't, don't fight that, okay? Don't fight that urge. If God's saying, yeah, maybe you should do that, then, then you should, then you, you, you owe it to yourself to at least check that out, um, because, because I believe that, that that kind of move is what we want to move to when, when we're growing as, as faithful followers of Jesus, that, that we're getting outside of our own comfort level. And when we give, now, some of you, that, that's not going to work out. You, you can't go, but, but you, can, you can give or you can pray. And, and the reality is that some of you might not be able to give a lot, but you could, you could give your time. Because when we're talking about generosity, it's not just about you know, it's not just about the finances. I mean, let's all admit, I mean, in our world today, the greatest commodity is time, isn't it? We will pay a lot to get more time. And, and so the reality is, is that some of us need to get a rein on that. In fact, I, 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 am, I am starting to truly believe that if, that if it's true that, that God will bless as we are generous, that if you find yourself in a situation where you are always saying, I just don't have enough time, I honestly believe that maybe the discipline for you is that you need to figure out ways to give your time to the kingdom. Okay? I knew it would be silent at that moment. (laughs) But I'm going to say it again. I truly believe if if time is your struggle if time is your greatest struggle, then I honestly believe that you need to start thinking about how you can give your time. Why? Because in God's economy, that's how this whole thing really works. And so, you know, go eat some tacos, um, look at the information. I mean, I, I can tell you from personal experience this. If you want to make sure that your kids, okay, are greedy, entitled, selfish brats, then don't ever help them find ways to serve other people or to be generous, right? If you want your kids to grow up just the opposite, to be people who are generous and who are kingdom-minded, then you are gonna have to set the pace for that. It will not come naturally to them. You are going to have to exemplify that in your lives, and you're going to have to show them, okay, how to do that. Now, having said that, I've experienced this. Now, our, our kids, our personal kids, are, are far from perfect, okay? We love them to death. Um, if they're here this morning, sorry, but they're not perfect, 
right? By no stretch of the imagination. But, but I will say this, that I don't believe any of them have an ounce of greed in them. That all of them have seen what real poverty looks like. And they understand how blessed they are. And not one of them has ever complained about what they don't have. None of them complained when they drove this beaten down old car and every single one of it, it was beaten down when we got it the first time. And then all four of them drove it, right? I mean, not one of them complained. In fact, they just have fun stories about that crazy thing, the, the widow they called it, right? That's a whole nother story. But one of the things that I know, and, and, and why is that, why, why do I think that's true? I, I think it's true, be, and, and I really credit it to just constant and consistent doses of getting them to serve other people. And going every single year, we, we would go to Mexico, and, and they would work, and they would love it, and they would serve, and they would come home with incredible stories about what God did in their lives because they were generous with their time. And it wasn't until they got quite a bit older and maybe even into college where they started realizing that they had given away their spring break all those years. But every single one of them would tell you that it's worth it. But it's not just the kids that it impacts. It, it impacts us to the core. You see, one of the things that happened early on in my life was... Um, you know, growing up in, in Orange County in the Newberry Park, and, and we, we, we didn't lack for a lot, okay? And, and, and the reality was, we, we were, one of the early trips, we went down to Mexico, and we were, um, and we had just found out that, that Brenda was expecting our first child, right? And we were down working with a pastor in Mexicali. And um, the pastor, we, we were all sleeping in the church. And, you know, me, because I was the paranoid, like, going to be new dad, I was, like, wiping down everything, right? Because, you know, I was so worried about Brenda and everything else. And um, uh, so, but the pastor, the pastor, um, like, like the second night in, the, the pastor brings us over, and he wants us to stay with them, right? But he doesn't want us to just stay with them, Okay, in their little teeny tiny place that housed him and their four children. They, they wanted us to sleep in their bed, in their room. And Brenda and I were like, no, 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 no. You know, no, we're not, we're not doing that, right? But they just insisted and insisted and insisted. And finally, and I gotta tell you, we spent half the night staring at the ceiling just thinking, what in the world? How, I mean, these people have given us everything. And I remember, I'll never forget the feeling of waking up in the morning and walking out because it's just a two-bedroom little teeny house. You can go kind of see what one of them looks like out there. It's staked out over there, so make sure you see that today. And the one of the rooms is kind of living room, kitchen, everything room, and the other room is a bedroom. And when I walked out of that one little bedroom... And their whole family of six is huddled together over there in the corner because that's where they slept that night so that they could be generous to us. And I got to tell you, that experience early on in ministry just humbled me to the core. 
and what I've experienced time after time after time is that the people who don't have give like crazy. And they get it. And they get it. And in reality, I just want to be like them. Because they are so incredibly happy and so incredibly generous. And I believe they have found life that's truly life. That they are kingdom-centric people. And God is doing incredible things, even today through those folks. But the myth is that if I have more, I'll be happy. And the reality, the kingdom principle is, no, I, I need to give. Now, the last, the last one, I'm going to kind of speed through this, is this. Is the third myth is, I don't have enough to give. Right? I don't have enough, so how can I, how can I give? Well, man, it is hard to make ends meet today. And, and, and it's expensive to live here, and it's hard. It's hard to pay the bills, pay the rent, pay the car repairs, the medical bills, pay for all the kids' activities and everything else. I mean, there's just, there's just not a lot left, right? And, and that's where a lot of people find themselves in, in, our, in our culture, in our community today. I mean, a consistent message, however, throughout the Bible is this. That it's, it's not really about the amount that matters. It's about your, your heart. But that we can't start to say that we can't give because we don't have enough. In John chapter 12, and you can go home and read this, it says that Jesus is sitting down at the temple, and he's sitting opposite of the treasury, and it says Jesus is watching everybody put their offering in. And I always thought, wow, like what would that look like if Jesus just carried the offering plate around to church? And he's watching what everybody, like, oh, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, you know. I mean, what would that be like, right? Jesus is watching everyone put their offering in, right? And there are some people who came in and gave big amounts, and then there's this widow who comes in and gives two of these teeny tiny widow's mites, these two tiny coins. And Jesus, and what Jesus does is he looks at the disciples and he goes, hey, guys, come here, come here, come here. I want you to see this, right? He says, look at this. He says, all the other folks gave out of their wealth. He says, this gal, she gave out of her poverty. She gave, she gave everything she had. Why? The kingdom come. Kingdom first. Okay? Everybody loves the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. How did that miracle start? With some great bread maker... And some great fishermen who knew how to catch lots of fish. Started with one little kid and a Lunchable. <laughs> right? They don't know what to do. Or, I mean, I love, I love Andrew's excitement. Jesus, we found a kid. He's got a little sack lunch. He's got like five loaves and a couple little fish. And then one of the other guys is like, I don't know, what's that going to do? Right? Have you looked at the crowd? Time and time again throughout Scripture, what we find is this, that Jesus takes what we give, and he's a God of multiplication, right? That you don't have to worry about it, that God's going to multiply it out. So he's not saying, hey, you just have to give all that. He's saying, give, just, just get plugged into this. 
My heart breaks for the people who say, who say I don't have enough so I can't give because I, so I can't get involved. And the reason my heart breaks is this, is because they're missing out on the incredible blessings of being involved in what God is doing all over the world. Because we have a God of multiplication. The kingdom truth is this, it's not I'll give when I have enough, it's if you give, you will have enough. There's this great verse in Luke 6, 38 that says this. It says, give and it will be given to you. Then it says, a good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over and poured into your lap. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Um, and, and so he's saying, hey, you, you know what? It's not, hey, when I get more, I'll give. He says, no, you give and then it will be given to you. As I was researching this, I came across this great story, okay, uh, about what this was all about. In Jesus' day, they would hire laborers that they would come. And if you were harvesting your wheat or harvesting whatever, you would come and you would, you would have, the, they'd give everybody a basket. And you would go out and you would, you, you know, they didn't have harvesters and all the farm equipment. So you would go and you would, you would do your harvesting and you would fill up your basket. You would take it over and you would you'd bring it in. You'd dump it in. At the end of the day, the way that most of these people would get paid was they would say, okay, you fill up a basket and you get to take that. You can take it home. You can do whatever you want with it. You can sell it. You can make money with it. That's how a lot of people would get paid back in Jesus' day. And so think about that. All day long, they're working, they're filling up their basket, but then the last time, the, the, the guy who's like the foreman overseeing the field goes, okay, it's the last basket. You know, you get to fill it up and take it home. How are you gonna fill up that basket? You're gonna fill up that basket the same way I fill up a Slurpee at 7-Eleven. <laughs> right? Go over there after the soccer game with the kids. You pump the thing, then you put the cap on. okay. And, and then you stick the thing up there and you put more in. Then you tap, tap, tap it, shake it down. <laughs> boom, put more in, boom, 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 right? It's all coming out, right? And then you sit down in your car, boom, it falls, you know, it's all coming out in your lap, right? I was like, this is a real truth of this verse, right? Jesus saying, hey, man, we have a God who wants to just pour out into your life, that just wants to give, wants to multiply but that doesn't happen until we take our eyes off of our own kingdoms. We put our eyes on his kingdom and we learn to give to his kingdom first. So how should we give? And I, I got to just be really quick with this is um, one of the things that we've, we've just discovered in our lives and we are blessed. Brenda and I both learned this kind of early on from our parents is that the way that the way that most I think people in the world live is that they um, it, we, what we have to do is we have to reverse the flow of things. Right. Reverse the flow. The way most people live is you, you, you take all that you have and, and you live on it. And if there's anything left after that, you save a little. And if there's anything else, you give some, right? That's how, that's how most people look at it, right? And so in this economy, giving, God's kingdom gets the leftovers, right? But if you flip the script a little bit and you do it the other way, the kingdom way is this is that you give first, and that's what God says. He says, give of the first fruits, give at the beginning, right? And then after you give to the Lord, then save, okay? Because he tells us that that's good, that's the right way to do things, and then live on the rest. And some of you are like going, I don't know if I would have enough to live on. That is how God's economy works. He stretches things and multiplies things in ways that you can't believe if you trust him. 
And we've said this over and over again, you know, the Bible teaches about the tithe, the giving the first 10% to him. We believe that the Bible teaches that and we believe the Bible's true. We believe God honors that in incredible ways. I can tell you story after story after story and then I can go find someone else from our church who will tell you story after story after story about how that works and how it's true. I tell people all the time, hey, if you're looking at that and you're going, okay, that's crazy, I would just tell you this, you know what, start with 1% and see what God won't do. And then once, he, once he's faithful with that, because I believe he will be, then kick it up a notch. And then just keep going. But if you do that, I would challenge you with this. Why would you stop at 10%? Because some of us have stalled out there. You know? Where do you, and, and, and the reason this is so important is where do you want God to get involved? At the end of the story or at the beginning? Where, where do you want him involved in this? Do you want him to just take what you got left over or do you want him involved at the get-go to see what he's going to do? And I got to tell you, you know, and, and we, we also tell people, hey, if, you, if you're skeptical, you think, oh, the church, then don't give here. I know it sounds crazy, but you know what? I, I just believe God will bless. You know what? Do you want God to bless you in all that you have? Do you want to see his kingdom come? If so, then the principle is this. Be generous. Be generous with all your resources. Be generous with your time. Be generous with the gifts God's given you. I mean, think about it. In your neighborhood, be generous. Give your time to your neighbors. Be generous. Go and serve your neighbors like crazy. Serve day's coming up. You've got a thing in your bullet and fill that out. We want to help you. We want to help you share God's goodness with your neighbors. Okay? Just write that down and, and, and let's see what God won't do together. And if you want more time, then give some of that. I believe that God is a God of multiplication. And you know what? Here's the reality. If your hope is in what you have, you will just hold on to it. But if your hope is in God, you'll have an open hand to see what God will do with what you give. And while your hand is open, I believe that he will refill it in ways that you can't imagine because we're supposed to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So how are you investing in God's kingdom today? That's really our question. And are, are we being generous with that? You know, the reason that we can be generous is because we serve an incredibly generous God who gave his only son on our behalf. And we celebrate that every single week here. We come around the Lord's table and we look at that and we go, God held nothing back from us. He gave his one and only son, that king who died on a cross, to forgive our sins so that we could have not just life in heaven later, but that we could really live life now, in the here and now, that we could see the blessings of the kingdom come and that we could generously give those blessings out to the rest of the world on his behalf. That is what extending compassion is all about. And it starts with the cross, and it starts with Jesus' gift. So this morning, as you take communion, would you just take a few minutes and reflect on all that God has done in your life? Reflect on all the ways that God has blessed, and would you maybe throw up a hallelujah or a yada or a toda or a whatever that we learned about last week? And just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for all that you've given. 
And then just pray this prayer. Help me, Father, to be generous like you. Remember that the cup represents Jesus' shed blood. That little piece of bread represents his broken body that he gave. He gave for you. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for how much you give. We pray, Father, that we would learn from our Heavenly Father how to be people of generosity. And that, God, as we do, that, Lord, we will see you work and bless and move in ways that we just can't even imagine. Thank you, Father, for being so good to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.